It is important to note that as you see the scriptural themes extended, that it's not just a simple gospel. It's okay to have a simple gospel. It's okay to believe one thing and to keep repeating it again and again and again and again. But if you really look at the gospel, you'll see it's a little bit more complex than that. Because any truth you land on, there is also a corresponding and almost opposite truth, which gives it balance and gives it strength and gives it appropriateness. Jesus said, you want to be a leader? I'll tell you how to be a leader. How? By becoming a servant. What does that mean? Just what it says. You become a leader by becoming a servant. You gain eternal life by what? Dying. You give up everything you have. You become free. You become liberated by becoming what? Doulos, a slave. You see, all of the Bible is made out of these corresponding complementary concepts. People have fought for years over whether people are predestined or they have free will. They've missed a point. The answer is yes. They seem logically unimpossible to go together. But yet, God works by complement. And so here we are, linked to one another in human form, wanting somebody like we are, but yet yearning for somebody, even on a chemical level, a little different than we are. I don't know how many of you read this, uh, this month's Discover magazine, but there was an experiment in there. Let me just relate the basics of the, exper- the, the experiment. This is a zoo- zoological experiment. Uh, uh, it was conducted by a Swiss um, uh, zoologist, uh, Klaus Wittekind is his name. And he wanted to know why animals smell each other like they do. Well, now, this is a switch for you. Because usually, in order to find out about people, we experiment with animals. But he needed to ask some questions that they couldn't answer. So in order to find, about, find out about animals, he experimented with people. And this is what he did. He got different men to wear t-shirts all day long and run around in them and perspire in them. And then he put them in a box. And he asked women to come in and smell them. Now, I know this sounds gross, but listen to me. How many of you, listen to me, how many of you can remember having a t-shirt from your boyfriend or an old coat or something like that, and you smell, it smells just like, you smelled it, you know, it smells so good, it smells just like him. We weren't talking about perfume here, we're talking about body odor, you know, it smells just like him. So it sounds gross, and it is gross, but it's not all that gross. So anyhow, they, <laughs> they bring these women in, and they ask them to... Pick out the t-shirt that smells the best to them. And for those who were not pregnant or were not on the pill, there's a different dynamic that goes there. And I'll tell you, I'll explain it in a minute. To the person, they picked out a t-shirt 
that had an odor that indicated, now, now listen, a, a different MHC, MHC stands for Major Histocompatibility Complex. It's an indicator of the genetic makeup of an individual. And, and there's a certain smell that indicates that. And every one of those women picked out someone with a different MHC than they had. Why? Well, it is well known that inasmuch as you inbreed, there, is, there are chances, first of all, the, the, the fertility rate is less, uh, the immune system is weaker, because hybrid uh, is in the same of, as, as people as it is uh, with plants, you know. If you, if you cross-pollinate, you get a, a, a stauncher immune system and so on and so forth. And the chances for, for inbreding uh, uh, genetic def deficiencies are increased if you inbreed in the same gene pool. So all of these women, on a chemical level, were attracted to smells of men that were different than they were so that there was an increased chance of fertility, an increased chance. I mean, this is not conscious, but this is just on a chemical level. An increased chance of a stronger immune system, a decreased chance of genetic deficiencies. You see? Now, what about on an emotional level? This is a little tougher because you go to the next chapter of Genesis and there's some problems here. Look at the next chapter. The serpent comes in. And a man and a woman are in the garden. And the serpent's starting to talk with the woman. Now the woman and the man are, are, are you know, they're, they're, they're together. It says, as a matter of fact, in verse 6, that when she took that fruit, she gave to her husband with her and he ate. So he was standing right there and didn't say one word to her. He was a weenie. <laughs> he did not take spiritual leadership and say, no, God said no. But there they are together and the next moment, what are they doing? Separating. Sowing fig leaves. They're embarrassed. They're separating themselves from each other. They're separating themselves from God. And when God comes down and asks for an explanation, what's the first thing the man does? Turns on the woman. What's this that you have done? Well, the woman that you gave to, to me, really, she gave it to me and I ate. God said, what's that? I, I ate, I ate. Turns to the woman. She separates herself from the snake. <laughs> Look, the snake made me do it. What was the first inclination? It was conflict. God meant them to be attracted, but they ended up attacking one another. Mayhills once wrote a book, said opposites attract, and then crossed it out and says attack, when it was about, when it was about men and women. Now, let me just say this. What I'm about to say doesn't have to do just with men and women. It has to do with the old and the young. It has to do with the conservative and the revolutionary. It has to do with all of our differences. And I'll explain that to you the next time I preach. Because this isn't the end of this sermon. But I'm just going to take men and women because they're the easiest right now in contrast. And most of you are in relationships right now that you get frustrated every once in a while. Most of you <clears throat> love the fact that you have found somebody you're crazy about. But, but, but once established with that, they, they tend to irritate you a little bit along the way. 
because you have such different perceptions. Uh, somebody once wrote a poem, a lady, uh, Colhill, was, I think was her name, and, and, she, and all I remember are just a few verses. It says, they say the sexes are the same. Check them at a football game. He notes the gain of every yard. She worries that they hit too hard. You know, someone loses the ball. He grumbles. She pities everyone who fumbles. He thinks the halftime show's a bore. She wants the band to play some more. You know, now, I won't go on with that. But men and different men and women are different. Uh, let me and let me just say this: If there are those of you who are still married and have survived your kids going through high school contact sports, good for you. Because I know how tough that is. It was tough on Beck and I. Beck and I are just nuts about each other. But boy, when our kids were going through football and wrestling and all that kind of stuff, I mean, we just were like, I was going, yes! He's going, you know, why do they do this? This is so dumb. You know? <laughs> Beck's convinced that if it weren't for her, all of our boys would be dead right now. Because all they've ever heard me say is, go for it, you know? I'm convinced if it weren't for me, that I'll be wearing later hosen, you know? <clears throat> Those cute little Swiss shorts outfits, you know? <laughs> now, I'm sure that's not true, but, but the point is that both of our perspectives were needed to raise these terrific boys. And I think that I would be an absolute mess without Beck. And without her being strong in the way that she is strong. And I would like to think that her life would be a little bit more dull without me. <laughs> you see, God did this wonderful thing. He put opposites together in order that we could complete one another. He said, unless two be agreed, should they walk together? Amos 3.3. 3. And the answer is no. And most people say, okay, then I'll go find somebody who does agree with me. That's not the full answer. The full answer is that you can agree on a larger context even when there's differences. Iron sharpens iron. Proverbs 27.17. How does that happen? They stick together long enough to sharpen each other. God said to Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, 10, My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Let me ask you a question. Would he be any more inconsistent to make our strength be made perfect in another person's weakness? To make our weakness need another person's strength? I know that sometimes you get frustrated, especially if you're sticking with somebody who's very different than you are. I know that some of you feel like you're doing all of the giving. You're pulling all of the weight. That's how most people feel when they disagree, by the way. I'm the one that's doing all the giving in. But I want to tell you something. And I'm going to tell you a story here. God's just kept on me with this story. It reminded me of last night. And I said, nah, I already told that. And he reminded me again this morning. I said, oh, no, I already told that. And he reminded me, I said, okay, 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 I'll tell the story. So somebody in here needs to hear this story. Most of you have heard it already, but some of it, somebody needs to hear this story. It's a story about uh, uh, Sadhu Singe. He, he was an Indian uh, Christian 
who went about India years ago uh, telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he got an invitation to go to a Buddhist monastery way up in the, in the mountains. And he got a guide. He didn't know how to get there, but he was very excited about going. And this, this guide, uh, of course, was a Hindu. And so um, as they were going up this mountain, uh, they were about, you know, uh, quite a ways from the monastery. And, you know, in India, in the mountains, uh, just like in Galilee, uh, on, on the uh, waters, storms can come up just in an instant. And blizzards, uh, that's, what, that's what happened with the fishing boats in Galilee. The storms just came down and swooped and there was a storm. And in India, in the mountains, it's the same thing. Blizzards can come up in, a, in an instant. And, and what happened was this, this blizzard came and, and, just, and, and the guide knew what was going to happen. He said, we've really got to run or we will not survive this. We will, we will uh, 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 freeze to death, surely. And so they started running up the trail and they heard a moan uh, off uh, just to the right of the trail. And, and, and Sadhu went over and, and, and there was a man who had fallen and broken his leg. And he said to the guide, we, mu- we must take him with us. And the guide says, there's no time. You don't understand. We will surely freeze to death if we stop for this man. This is his fate. This is the way it goes. Uh, but Sadhu said, I, I can't go on. Christ would try to help this man even at the cost of his own life. I can't go on. So the guide hurried on. And meanwhile, Sadhu took off his cape. Now remember, it's very, very cold. And fashioned a crude uh, sled for the man and put the man on the sled and began to tug him up that, 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 that way. And the man was covering up with a cape. And he worked so hard, and, and the further he went up, the, the more his legs ached. And he was working so hard, and finally he came to the place where he could see the lights of the monastery. And he rejoiced in his heart. And as he drugged that man toward that monastery, he stumbled over something in now the very deep snow. And he bent down and he wiped away the snow. And there was his guide who had frozen to death. And he thought to himself, why was I saved? And then it occurred to him that the reason that he was saved was because the burden he had borne made his body work to such an effect that the cold would not have its deathly result. I know You think you're doing all the pulling right now. But listen to this. That pulling, that sacrifice is what will save you. That's what will make you complete. That's what will make you mature. Now, we wondered how we could end this. And and somebody remembered a, uh, uh, a scene from a Broadway musical company. And it seems so appropriate for this message because most of us spend most of our life going around for people, looking for people who will agree with us, for easy relationships that are fun uh, and that aren't a lot of work. And when one seems to be a lot of work, we, we go to another one. There is a character in this musical 
that does just that. She sees her married friends and all of them seem to be laboring under a, uh, under a commitment, but they don't seem to have any fun. They seem to be, have routine lives and, and they're frustrated with one another and she just wants to avoid that, you know? Until the last scene and she's at a dinner party and there's all kinds of crowds around and she finally comes to this conclusion. She turns a corner and she finally comes to this conclusion. That the only real meaning in life is when you finally commit to one person. Sometimes it'll be fun, sometimes it'll be frustrating. Sometimes it'll be exciting, sometimes it'll be boring. But the meaning comes from the commitment. The meaning comes from both the difference and the agreement. And the perfection in life the sense of really being alive comes from loving even in the differences.
Life is not about agreement. Life is about companionship. It's about commitment. It's about love. Some of you need that God in your life who will live inside your heart. You've been looking for a God all your life to tell you what you want to hear. He won't always tell you what you want to hear. But he'll always tell you what you need to hear. Some of you need to be grateful for the people God's given you. They frustrate the daylights out of you. But they tell you exactly what you need to hear. Whether they be friends or spouses or family, they are God's gift to you. They are his way of making you more mature. Thank God that he has put his image to be both singular and plural in your life. Please stand for the benediction. Remember, we have a prayer team over here. If anybody doesn't know God in a personal way, they can introduce you to him. <laughs> and if anybody needs to pray for reconciliation for relationships, they would love to stand with you on that thing. Or anything else that you need, whether it be healing, forgiveness, guidance, whatever you need, they would love to pray with you. Now may the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in us so plainly that we live life like God is. Amen.